listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. to Occupation Station. I'm Diane Donato, and I am very excited about our upcoming conversation about the Center for Biopharmaceutical Education and Training, also known as CBET. I think this conversation is going to help a lot of people. We have some information today that's going to help people who want to work in the pharmaceutical industry, people who want to advance their skill set, people who are working as pharmacists but maybe looking for a little change. This conversation is also going to be vital for CEOs who are looking to keep their workforce vibrant, engaged, and their skill sets very sharp and current. It's also going to help some CEOs looking to find some manufacturing partners. So we do have a lot to get into, and we're going to jump right in. I'm going to introduce our guests. We have Dr. Michelle Lewis. She's the executive director of CBAT, and also David Stack, member of the ACPHS, the Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences Board of Trustees. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Diane. We'll start with you, Dr. Lewis or Michelle. What is CBET for those who don't know and aren't familiar with it? And talk a little bit about its role at the college. Thank you. CBET is a purpose-built facility at Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Science. We specialize in education, workforce training, and contract research. The facility integrates with the college and it expands its academic and research capabilities with investments in equipment and expertise. The students and faculty at ACBHS can participate in the rapidly growing field of biomanufacturing and biotherapeutics. Pharmacy, as you may know, has traditionally been focused on small organic chemicals as therapeutics, but over the last 15 years or so, that has shifted so that biologics now make up about 14 of the 20 top-selling drugs. So with this enormous growth comes the need for highly trained individuals that can develop and deliver these new therapies. And CBED is the college's response to that need. It's enormous growth and it's fast growth. Very fast paced. David, tell us a little bit about how the idea for CBED first came about. Following a board of trustees meeting with Greg Dewey, who was the president of the college at the time, and Vicki, who was at the head of fundraising at the time, we had a breakfast, and really the topic of discussion is what could we do, how could we develop a unique proposition for Albany College of Pharmacy. The space of pharmacy education has become very crowded over the last decade, and we were looking for something that would be distinctive and would provide us a opportunity to raise not only the awareness, but also the longer-term opportunity for our students, as Michelle just outlined. It came up as a suggestion, but why did you decide to invest in it? Greg and Vicki had done a lot of due diligence on the topic, and one of the thoughts was, who is the competition? Where is the competition? And what we found was that the place that industry was finding their talent in this space were largely engineering schools where they had to train these folks about the science and what they actually were doing and how they were benefiting patients, et cetera. We decided that the best opportunity we could come up with at the time was to turn that around and provide folks who were steeped in the science, who had 
Doctor of Pharmacy degrees, and we thought it would be a much simpler exercise to teach them about the technology and the engineering aspects. And so we did a lot of diligence with the schools and convinced ourselves that that analysis was accurate. From there, really, it needed somebody to fund just the whole idea and kick it off and see if we could make something of it. And then the industry certainly responded. Well, I'm in the industry. I'm the CEO and chairman of a company that has several assets in the gene therapy world. And so day to day, I live in the world of where are these folks that are expert in calibration and validation and process development. And as Michelle stated, you know, the world has changed dramatically. We're not making stuff in stainless steel vessels anymore. This is a very different world. And so the time seemed to be right to break away from the legacy that many of the big pharmaceutical companies had of all the machinery and all the things they already had from the last decades of what they were doing. And if we could untangle ourselves from all of that fixed expense, that this would be the ideal time to find a different way to do things or to be a participant in the effort to find a different way to do things. Bridging off of that, Michelle, why is CBET so important right now, do you think? Well, the industry is growing very rapidly. There's more than 1,200 new cell and gene therapies in the FDA approval process. But the industry as a whole is still very new and it's in its early stages. So the biggest constraint for growth is the workforce. You know, as Dave mentioned, individuals are not well-trained. They're difficult to find. We're seeing companies competing with one another for a small number of qualified individuals. So in order to fully realize the impact of bi biologics and personalized medicines, a new generation of scientists and regulators needs to be trained. So that's where CBAC comes in with our academic and workforce programs. David, we've touched a little bit about you being the CEO of Zero Pharmaceuticals. It's New Jersey-based. You're also 76 ACPHS alumnus and chairman and CEO, as we said, of Vasira. It's a specialty pharmaceutical company. It focuses on non-opioid medication products for pain management. Talk to us a little bit about why it's so important that we have this ability to train tech-skilled workers. Thank you, Diane. And, you know, in addition, in my career, I've had a stint in private equity as well as venture capital. And so always prominent in my mind, at least, is that many of our startup companies and our smaller organizations, you know, we worry about the financing of those folks and how we retain top talent. But in fact, many of these organizations fail because they just don't have the right manufacturing expertise in order to meet the future needs. And especially as you get into gene and cell therapy, as Michelle suggests, the process is the product. And so you have to do your clinical trials with a process and a product that is going to remain consistent from through your pivotal clinical trials and then into commercialization. That's very different than the old days. And so, you know, we can't make something at a bench scale and then scale it up after we have approval. We have to do all of that work in advance. And so in many cases, we can't even start the clinical trials for these programs unless we have our manufacturing process nailed down. And frankly, we can't change it then once we agree with the FDA that that's what we're doing. So the availability of talent in folks who actually have been through this process development program is really the rate limiting step on new innovation and new technology. As you can imagine, that's extremely important to the venture capital world and then eventually to the private, cap private equity world. And Michelle, maybe you can expand on that a little bit. How much do you think it is hindering the biopharma sector from evolving a lack of tech-skilled workers? 
I think it's extremely constraining. You know, we're seeing that a lot of individuals are not familiar with aseptic techniques in growing cells, for example. These cell-based therapies are grown in the laboratory and then they're they're put into the patient. So you need to main, abs maintain absolute sterility through that entire process. And as Dave mentioned, these are smaller batches that are highly personalized for the patient. And you have to have that worked out, that whole supply chain worked out before you even do the animal testing. You know, here at CBET, we're trying to build a, a pipeline of talent, if you will. We are beginning with our summer camps for seventh and eighth graders, going all the way through our postgraduate fellowship opportunities to really raise awareness about um, jobs and careers in this area because we see there's such a need. Tell us a little bit about the undergraduate programs and the fellowship programs as you're looking for ways to fill that need. Yeah, so our undergraduate programs are supported by a traditional academic microbiology bachelor's and pharmaceutical science bachelor's degrees. And then we have a few exciting grants. For instance, we were recently awarded a grant from the National Institute of Innovation and Manufacturing of Biopharmaceuticals, also known as NIMBLE, which mentors minority students in biomanufacturing. We have the first of its kind Global Manufacturing Fellowship with the FDA and Curia Global. So both of these programs are innovative ways to bring talent into the industry. In addition to those two pieces of the puzzle, we have a master's in biomanufacturing and bioprocessing, which is a nine-month degree that has a three-month internship with a company associated with it. And what we're seeing, no matter at which level undergraduate, graduate, all of our students are being snatched up very quickly by small and large biopharmaceutical companies. Good news for a lot of people who are investing their time and money in the education. That's exactly what you want to hear. We also touched on this a little bit earlier, that this is also an opportunity for people who are already in the industry, maybe thinking about a little change, feeling like they need a few ways to brush up on their skill set. So let's talk a little bit about how CBET can support today's workforce. Right. We have a variety of what we call open enrollment programs. So individuals that are not associated or affiliated with a college can enroll in these courses. We have a lot of career pharmacists coming back and taking these skills, upskilling or reskilling. Additionally, anyone can enroll in our nine-month master's program. But all of these opportunities really focus on the technology investment that we've made. So when individuals come into the facility, they're training on equipment and processes that are directly applicable to that industry. So they walk away with skills that they can apply on day one of their new positions. If you could also talk a little bit about ACPHS graduates who are working in more traditional roles in pharmacy, this might seem like a big change. How are you able to support them and, and how difficult is that transition? Well, actually, we found that the transition is not all that difficult. If you come out of the pharmacy school, you have a unique understanding of how drugs interact with the body, understand metabolism, the regulation of drugs. So teaching them that biopharma component really complements all the learning that they already have from the college. And so it's a very natural transition to have PharmDs flowing into these career paths. And actually, I think that was some of the due diligence that Dr. Dewey and Vicki DeLorenzo and Mr. Stack did. They went back and they spoke to alumni who by their own means had found their ways into industry. We found that quite a number of the college's alumni are working with pharmaceutical companies. And Diane, just to point out something that might not be obvious to you know somebody that doesn't do these things on a regular basis like Michelle and I do, 
there's a significant cultural component here. If you've got mostly engineers on the floor of your facility, and I'm not suggesting that they don't care, but they went to engineering school and they're learning how to do the same thing over and over again, hopefully better. When you have someone that went to school for a health sciences degree and taking care of patients and their families is the reason that you go to work every day, you have a very different cultural norm in your organization than the company that is relying on engineering folks to, to manufacture their products. How are people who graduate from your programs, take your programs, how are they going to help fill roles that are, are needed regionally and nationally? There is a real-time need and interest in our folks, and so it is a direct opportunity to go to work in the space. I think we're particularly interested here with many of the things that are going on in the Capital District. And you know what we talked about often was making sure that Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences had a seat at that table, that we were appropriate for funding that was taking place as a result of some of the directives from the state government opportunities, and just to be able to provide local employment with long-term career advancement opportunities for folks that live in the Capital District. We just couldn't find any reason not to do it. You also, I'm sure, are finding companies around the nation who are reaching out to you and maybe sending people to you for training. Michelle, you want to take a shot at that? Absolutely. That is the case. We run a number of open enrollment courses. These are typically customized training programs that last one to two weeks. Individuals come and they work at our facility from nine to five, you know, during the workday. And we're showing them those industry relevant skills and all of the courses that we developed are informed by our advisory board, which is composed of 25 individuals from small, medium, and large pharmaceutical companies. So we intentionally make our programs very dynamic and responsive to the needs of the industry by working with our advisory board, as well as our vendors that are in the industry and informing us of the latest technology advancements. We've been talking so much about the workforce, which is the vital aspect of it. But David or Dr. Lewis, either one of you, if you want to talk about contract manufacturing services offered by CBET, I know it's an important part of the mission. You can maybe explain why it's such an important part. I think you're best at that, Michelle. Okay, thanks, Dave. Yeah, contract manufacturing services are fee-based services that utilize our investment in our equipment and expertise, which totals more than $10 million. They are critical to supporting our small and mid-sized biopharmaceutical companies and innovative startups because they help them move from concept to commercialization faster. Small companies typically don't have access to specialized equipment like large bioreactors or cell and gene therapy instrumentation. So CBAP provides access to those technologies and supports their growth and the stability of those new product portfolios without the company making a huge capital investment. So we're almost like a test bed for new ideas. What an incredible asset. We are working really hard to expand those offerings. Currently, we have about 40 different services that individual researchers or companies can take advantage of. They just simply reach out. We provide a scope of work and a quote. We execute the work to their standards and then deliver the product for use in whatever creative, innovative technology they're trying to develop. We have relationships with manufacturers testing equipment. We have relationships with academic researchers trying to move a therapy from their laboratory into the clinic. 
So it really is a diverse array of skills and assets that are available to the community. Are there any other ways you would want to explain about what types of manufacturing clients have been attracted to CBET? That's a great question because we're talking a lot about biopharmaceuticals, and that's really what CBET is focused on. But the skills that we're teaching are translatable to other areas in biomanufacturing that support manufactured goods, cosmetics, the diagnostic industry, all of those other industries rely on the growth of cells for producing their material of interest. So we're teaching aseptic techniques, growth in the bioreactors, downstream processing. Those are broadly applicable to all types of biomanufacturing. Why has it been so important to make the Capital Region such an innovative biopharma hub? And why does the Capital Region work as a great location for this to happen? My primary interest, Dan, was Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. It so happens, and I guess this is the whole idea of, of innovation, is as we started to go down this path, we found that there was great interest in some things that we were doing and that we could fulfill some required elements of making the Capital District a bio research hub. It wasn't part of the original strategy, to be completely candid, but I think as we go forward, you see very clearly that with the kind of folks like Michelle that we can attract, that you know, having a bold forward-thinking opportunity to work with a broad range of customers that really a lot of the innovation and a lot of the best practice is being transferred here at the academic level because the space is moving so quickly. So the original intention here was to fund a opportunity that was going to make the college unique and be able to sustain us through periods of inflation and all the other things that are going on in the world today and it would provide the opportunity for students to think about Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Services as a real opportunity to learn skills that they would not have available to them anyplace else and to have a lifelong opportunity to work in the space to change the way patients live 10, 15, 20 years from now. The fact that that was in the Capital District and we would be able to help family and friends and all the folks and, you know, being a graduate of Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Services certainly is an important part of the aspect here. It just seemed like an obvious way for my wife, Christine, and I to give back. Beautiful place to live and it offers so much. It's lovely to see you investing in it. We don't have many more questions, but I just want to spend a couple more minutes. I know somebody touched on this really quickly before, the Nimble experience. ACPHS is one of only three colleges in the nation selected to host the 2023 Nimble Experience Program. We want to know more about the program itself and who can apply for that. Yes, the Nimble program recruits specifically minority students in their freshman or sophomore year of undergraduate. And they come to Albany College for one week expense paid experience to learn about biomanufacturing. And so our program originally was called the Making of Medicine. And we were going to demonstrate to the individuals from um, how the concept of a medicine originates until how it ends up in the patients. Our participants will, on their first day, work at CBET, learning about the biomanufacturing industry, biopharmaceutical companies, and career pathways. And then the next day, they move to our academic partners in the region, where they learn about innovation in an academic setting. And we're working with um, 
UAlbany for that, as well as SUNY Polytech. And they'll be doing hands-on experiments focused on uh, mRNA vaccine technologies. We're also showing them innovation and in small businesses. And so we've reached out to our partners in the Capital District, like NeuroStem Cell Institute, for example, to help us sponsor a day where the students in the situation are going to be isolating stem cells from a porcine eyeball and learning how to take stem cells and culture them in a flask. This is very much what's simulated in the industry for making a cell-based therapy. And then the next day of the program, we're working with our large biopharmaceutical companies like Cytiva Corporation, Takeda, and Curia Global will be visiting. And they're going to show us what innovation looks like in big pharma settings. They'll tour the companies. We have a workforce diversity panel that'll meet with individuals and discuss how to advance their careers and those minority perspectives that are so important to understand as we diversify the workforce. And then they'll return to Albany College of Pharmacy on Friday, where they'll work in our compounding pharmacy and see how those drugs are, are taken into vials that'll be delivered to patients. So it really is a very comprehensive overview of the process and a very unique experience. Real quickly, David, what would you tell other pharmaceuticals about CBAT? We'll wrap it up there. The culture of innovation and the team that's been put together here. I think if your question comes from a model perspective or what you can do to really improve the human condition, I mean, this started out only a few short years ago as a cup of coffee at the Latham 76 Diner, and here we are. And there aren't a lot of places in the world that you can think about making that kind of an impact on patient care in such a short period of time. So this has been very fulfilling for my family as well as myself. Dr. Michelle Lewis, Executive Director of CBET, and David Stack, member of the ACPHS Board of Trustees and CEO of Pacera Pharmaceuticals. We really appreciate the time that you spent with us today so that we could share this information. It is going to be helpful to so many people. Thank you both. Thanks, Diane. Thank you, Diane. For more information or to schedule a tour, visit acphs.edu. You can tune in to all of our informative stories at acphs.edu forward slash podcast. Each podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeart. Mark Occupation Station as a favorite and you'll receive push notifications as soon as we publish something new. Occupation Station is also a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the largest podcast content directory dedicated to the business and profession of pharmacy.